All right. Hello, everybody. We are almost live everywhere, and now we are. Cool. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. What's up, everybody? My name is Mark, and you are watching the Better at Beach Volleyball podcast. I guess it's a video podcast now. We're trying some new things, and if you don't know, we have online courses and online coaching, and essentially, we take you through our tutorials. You get to watch those videos, and then we give you the drills that you should do on a daily basis, and then when you post the videos of your drills on our Facebook group, private Facebook group. That's when we go and we coach you in the comment section. Uh, and today, Tuesdays and Thursdays, for elite members, we get to talk to them live. And then we get to really dive into problems and do a big Q&A session. And we do a lot of screen sharing. We thought it would be cool to try to start showing you guys what we do uh, on these live streams and on the podcast. And if you are interested, just go to betterbeach.com forward slash coaching and you can get in it just like our guests will today. So that's going to start in about eight minutes. But um, before that, we're just going to, you know, chit chat. If you're watching on Instagram, you should come over to YouTube or our Facebook page, Better at Beach Volleyball, and then you'll be able to see it. If you're listening on a podcast, we're going to try to post this as a podcast. But just know that the companion video should be living somewhere on YouTube. So look for that date. Look for our playlist, the Better at Beach Volleyball podcast. And if it doesn't work out at all, so that you guys, when you're listening, you say, that was pretty useless without seeing it. Or if we coach well enough vocally and you guys do understand what's happening, then as a bonus, you would be able to go into the uh, into the YouTube video or into the Facebook video. You know, we'll include those links in the podcast. Then let us know if it's helpful. I think hearing is super helpful and watching is like a double bonus. So let us know. Everything we do is an experiment. We're always trying to get better, and uh, <laughs> and that's it. So we're going to let the members in in about five minutes. But, of course, we have our head online coach and my good buddy, Matt Hazel. What's going What's on, going buddy? What's going on, man? It's been good. Lots of fun. Um, you got baby Mac today? I don't have baby Mac today. So oh, she uh, is hopefully napping right now, treating her mom well, and that should Here's be okay. Girls. Fingers yeah, crossed. fingers crossed. We had a pretty okay. good day yesterday. Uh, got a great lift. So I, I have this little Monday and Friday rhythm where I go to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, BJJ, at Grace University at 7 a.m. on Monday and Friday. And then it's kind of a slow class. We don't roll heavily. It's very technical-based. Uh, but from there, that acts as like a body warm-up. I get sweating. I get into a lot of different positions. So then once I drive home... I'm immediately ready for my like 8.15 lift, and that's where I go ham in my garage studio, and I'm feeling it today, so <laughs> pushing that weight. I'm doing this mix. I talked on the podcast yesterday, but I'm doing this mix of volleyball athlete training, but also trying to actually get big and strong for the first time in my life with knowledge, you know that's yeah. exactly what I was trying to do in college and right after college, but I didn't quite know all of the science behind it. So now yeah. I'm staying athletic enough 
to say I could still jump and sprint and move. Let's um, go. But I'm also I adding some for the socks. coaching matches. The exhibition matches and camps, you got to be ready. I can't embarrass myself, man. I know. I know. You got to <laughs> still be able to come out with your jean shorts and whatnot, man. What <laughs> if you can't play volleyball in jean shorts, I don't know what you're doing with your yeah, life. Yeah, come on, man. Oh. Wait, speaking of working out and stuff, what are your thoughts on creatine? Oh, 100% bonus. Do you That's... feel like if you've never taken it before, do you feel like it's wise to start it in the middle of a season? That's a good question. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I would. Right now. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm kind of feeling it too. I played a tournament down here in Florida and I, I just started cramping and I was like, this is not good. This is usually mm. not me. So I, I'm trying to decide, should I hold off until. Did you think the creatine was doing that? Potentially. I was very hydrated, ate well, slept well. I uh, didn't feel like I worked overworked the the week leading up to it so okay. i i don't know i'm just trying to figure out like what's what, your what's your sodium on. intake uh so i didn't have as many electrolytes as i usually did uh, i didn't have my and you cramped uh, <laughs> come on uh, i didn't have my uh, little packets that i usually have mm-hmm. but every time i went to the restroom it was very clear let's just put it that way so okay I, so water-wise, I felt fine, but I maybe I did need – I mean, I was eating pickles and lots of sodium throughout the day. Mm-hmm. But the only difference was the creatine and lack of the electrolytes that I normally put in my water. Okay. So, I don't know. Trying to um, figure it Let's see. I'm going to pull up a post. I'm going to screen share something that I got on the background because I just cool. saw it. It's uh, – you know, I'm not saying that everybody – should definitely be <laughs> looking at Instagram for all of their knowledge. Um, but this guy puts out pretty good stuff. Is is Dr. James uh, Dinick? Dinick Anyway, um, you know, there's been a lot of like resurgence of sodium and how bad or good it could be, right? This here. It lets you know, of course, obviously that sodium is absolutely necessary, but most people aren't getting enough when they exercise. So it does help you maintain proper hydration. Sodium got just a bad, a bad rap for a while because it, they kept dumping it into processed foods, hmm. right? And if you're not hydrating and your salt content is super high, well, then you're going to screw yourself, right? Now you're going to slow down everything. Um, you're going to have a lot of, of blood imbalance as well. But for optimal health, here it says, so you suggest three to 5,000 milligrams of sodium per day is for optimal health. So now I'm starting all of my days with an element. Uh, not sponsored by them or anything, but element, hey, reach out. Because out. using your product, and we got an audience. But I, I start that, and then I also use it at night. I don't have a lot of processed foods. You know, I, I eat pretty whole. Janelle cooks really well. But um, the next line here, it says that this can increase by 2,000 milligrams for every hour of exercise performed. So if you're playing a tournament, yeah, that's what, a 10-hour day? So you're looking at 20, 25,000 milligrams wow. of sodium that you need. And then if you're adding caffeine, which absolutely depletes your sodium, then you're going to have to continue to add that. 
So, you know, it's one of the things that I for sure failed at while I was playing. But if you want to experiment with it, if you want to see what it's like, guys, just add it. Add some salt content. And when we're talking about those salt contents, like you'll see them them blown up on food packages. That's a different style of sodium. If you're just adding like sea salt or table salt, we're talking pinches, like a hefty pinch between your finger. Throw that in your water. See how it feels. Do it before you start playing. See how it feels. And uh, it in a big way. So the creatine can pull water from your muscles, but not in a huge, a huge way. Um, there, there was notes of some people cramping, but that might have also been because those people were able to work out longer and harder. Right. That's part of it. That's what creatine does. It allows you to continue to work hard and get more reps and stay at your max percentage of speed or lifting for longer. So that and caffeine are definitely two of the things that we know 100% increase athletic performance, your ability to think and do well. And now if we add salt and water, we're in a good spot. Yeah. So before you give up on creatine, I would say let's let's add a bunch of pinches of salt or element or something like that. Yeah, I've also been experimenting with caffeine intake too because for a while my heart was doing this weird thing where it would would start beating super fast. And I would would intake so much caffeine throughout (laughs) a tournament day, dude. There was one tournament I played in Virginia Beach and I had a whole box of Red Bulls and I finished it by the end of the day. And I was like, I don't know if that's good or not. Uh, (laughs) I probably shouldn't be doing that. so I've kind of like taken a step back, just experimenting a little bit, honestly, just feeling what works. Cause I feel like I don't, I mean, the, what is it called? The, the FDA? No, it's not the FDA. What is it? FDA food and drug administration. It's maybe, I don't know who says how much is the right amount of caffeine to intake. Is that the, so they yep. usually say what? 400. And that the max amount per day. That would be max. Yeah. Because 400 yeah. would be, Strong cups of coffee, that would be like four strong cups of coffee. You could gotcha. say that the average cup of coffee could be like 80 milligrams. Gotcha. Tea, I think you're around like between 30 and 50, gotcha. depending on the type of tea. Uh, but then when you have stuff like a Jake Paul's thing, his company's getting ripped apart for doing the exact wow. same thing that everybody else does. Yeah. But yeah. he's like, hey, you have uh, 200 milligrams in one, in one serving. Yeah. So 200 milligrams in one serving, like that's, that's a lot and it's fast. Um, so if you're having two or three or four of those, you're, you're already above and beyond your caffeine intake. So if you're, if you guys are looking for coffee, caffeine advice, start slow, see what it does. The thing about everything that we have to do to improve is we have to measure. And if you guys aren't measuring, it's a problem. How do you measure well, we start the simplest way. If you don't have millions of dollars that you can do on blood blood tests and, and machines and everything, then you just take a look at after your workout, you write down what was my performance and what was my energy. Energy and performance are, are different, but rate it out of 10. After that, you just write down what you ingested for the last 24 hours. If you want to get into sleep, you write down what time you went to sleep, what time you didn't. But after... Three weeks of doing this for every lift and every practice, 
you're going to see some patterns, especially if you set it up in a nice, easy Excel sheet and you take a look at all your ratings above seven and you say, all right, what did I have before that? Um, take all your ratings below seven and say, what did I have before that? But feeling it or trying to understand in that way, uh-uh, it's just not going to happen. Right. I saw this Instagram post again or Facebook post and the difference between a 250 and a 300 hitter. Right, absolute like 250 is garbage, 300 is, is Hall of Fame. You're looking at over the course of a season, it's one hit every week. Wow. So, if you're not actively measuring that and writing everything down, you don't know the difference between a garbage hitter and a Hall of Famer. Right, you, you have to measure these things to understand them. That's what you should do with your game at home um, and any performance that you do. Yeah. Um, okay. So we got, uh, five of our members. They, they might be, you know, getting slower get, or getting weird in here. So if you guys <laughs> are in the elite member group and you're here live, you you know that we're here to coach you. Uh, I want you to start preparing your links that you want us to look at. And I want you to start preparing your questions. And of course you're using the call in function. Okay. Uh, before we get to those guys, go ahead and use the call in function. But before we get to those, what I definitely want to do is I want to talk about, uh, what happened yesterday. I got to work with, uh, Logan and Hagen. Nice. And it was a nice, fun, good, cool practice. Um, we, I had somebody who's training to be a coach for better at beach and his name is Poe, Andres Posada. So thanks for the help, Poe. And I, you know, I talked to Logan and Hagen. I was like, what do you want from me? What are we looking for this practice? And the best thing that they did was they, they each gave me two paragraphs of where they thought they were in their game and what they wanted to work on. Right. And the way that I start my practice with these guys is just asking a bunch of questions. Like, what do you think? What do you, I, the problem with, I don't know if this is on the women's side, but I imagine it is uh, when you show up to practice, People don't take the time to talk and say, what are we actually doing? What are we going to take care of? There's a lot of social pressure within a two-hour block to share that time and help the other team at the same time that you're helping your team. And then you think that just by touching the ball better and getting more touches, you're going to improve. But if you two are working on different locations or you have a different mindset and you're just trying to improve your touches, but you're aiming in different directions, nothing's going to improve with the team. So uh, with Travis and JD over before the, where were we? Um, Before the AVP Hermosa, we took a lot of time to just feed free balls, feed some serves from different locations. Okay. You receive here. Where are you trying to pass? Does that match up with where you want? Yes great. But if you don't sit and talk about that, then you don't actually have the ability to improve it. And you often aim in different directions. Guys definitely have trouble talking, (laughs) you know? So it's now I find it's my responsibility currently as a coach, especially when I'm working with these guys for one or two sessions. Like I don't have any season teams. I don't really have the time or uh, emotional or financial dedication to that for AVP players. So, uh, So it's just me asking those questions. And yesterday, shoot, my notes are in my phone. But 
I'll give you a few things, a few takeaways from Logan and, and Hagen's practice. Uh, number one was Logan needing to stomp out of his last two steps in his approach. So he was coming in very flowy, and something happens. We don't quite know what happens, but when he has one style of his approach, he allows the ball to come to him, and he ends up getting a lower contact. When he accelerates off of his left foot into the right left, and he really hits the ground hard with his last two steps, it increases his power output. He definitely contacts the ball higher, and he contacts the ball faster and cleaner. So something when he was going through his rhythmic approach creates a a slowness and that was allowing the ball to get a little bit lower when we asked him to stomp we saw it on film too when we asked him to really hit the ground hard he was really contacting high like there's no way that i should ever touch logan when he's operating at his height and we're trying to get him to operate higher there so the only way we can experiment with that is having a third party if you're at home and say let me try a couple of different versions of my approach and see if I'm still in control when I can get more power out of it. Or um, see if I get more control when I'm very relaxed. For Logan, one of the biggest things that he can do is be big. So if he can stomp on those last two and get height, he'll beat everybody, even if he has less aim control. So that's what we looked at from him to make sure that he did that. And uh, one of the things that I noticed in Hagen that I used to do is when they were trying to run speed offense, right? So Hagen would pass to Logan into the middle and Logan would fake and hit and then throw a fast set. Hagen's feet would, the speed of them would increase. So he got very fast. Everything rushed very fast feet instead of controlled feet and then just a fast, quick, hard last two steps. Right. So if you guys are trying to run speed offense, do not run or move faster. Just set lower. <laughs> it's very hard to understand what has to happen there, but you should be on your right or your second step. So your first or your second step a little bit earlier. That doesn't mean that you continue. You just need to be earlier so that when you see the ball come out of your setter's hands, then it's just two steps left, pop, pop, hit. But this does not mean that your right and left step happen faster. They're just more controlled and you're ready to accelerate, right? We would stand up a little bit taller and kind of go slower on our right and our left step. Or, you know, we wouldn't, we'll say it this way, not slower. We wouldn't be as ready to accelerate if we're expecting an up and down ball. But if we're looking for a ball to come across our line and be shot across the net, then we're really in that forward-leaning stance so that we can hit the last two steps really quick. And uh, he, we made that quick adjustment. He's like, you're absolutely right. Okay, that's what I'm feeling. Made that quick adjustment, and then he just started hammering some. Um, and we're still debating of whether whether they should, with only a couple of practices left before they go into a big, long stretch of competition, do we need an on-to or a spread offense? And I just want to touch, before we get with the members, I just want to touch on that. Guys, I know that you see everybody jump-setting. I know that you see everybody like passing on two and then kicking the ball to the pin. Do you 
need it? And is it causing more trouble than you're actually earning points? Like it might look cool one or two out of 10 times, but are you making errors? Do you feel like you have complete control of where you hit the ball when you're running that speed offense? And if you don't feel like you're controlling where you hit, but you just get an open net, it's that's going to be a luck play. And if the blocker just happens to be there, now you're really screwed, right? So you're kind of relying on them to be out of position instead of saying we can run faster because we have the control and the aim to do this. So I don't know what they're going to choose. Um, yesterday it wasn't very clean, but that's a one practice statistical set. And for anybody out there who's looking to add that, that speed set to your game, it might not be worth it for you right now. And it's not necessary to win. So that's where we're at. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I've been kind of experimenting with that myself, just trying to figure out just what kind of player I am in general. Like, am Mm. I going to be a fast shootout to the pin, spread the court, uh, letting my partner option as much as possible. Like, is that the route we want to go? Or is it more up and down? Let's find that. And then if that doesn't work, if it's broken, then we fix it. But instead of like, it, it, I'm wrestling with that balance of hey, this isn't necessarily broken, but broken, but do we want to add something new to our, our repertoire just in case we face someone that is able to shut that down very quickly. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of wrestling with that a little bit. Mm. Like, do we need to, maybe it's something we just train and just have, but, and if we need it, we can pull it out. But if not, we just stick to the regular. Yeah. You know, I see, I see somebody like Triborn who has been such a very good, legit player. He's, this is the first year where he's really adding that kind of jump setting. They haven't had the best year, uh, him and came and, He's such a threat in every other way that I don't I don't agree with the way Tri's trying to add this jump set. Hmm. Um, and I think he doesn't quite show the attack in the air the way some players do. He often turns his left foot towards the net, and then he'll set. So he's also giving away that he's not hitting it a lot earlier than some people, but he still has a very nice cross body, so he gets away with that sometimes. Um, whereas you'll see like the Swedish kids and the, and the Norwegians, they're full on square to the net. So it looks like they can hit or they sit over their shoulder instead of squaring up to where they sit. Um, be interesting. All right. Should we start this, uh, elite member meeting? Yeah, let's get it rolling. Cool. Uh, we got our first question from Pablo guys. If you're here in the elite member meeting and you're part of our program, it better beach. Remember Instagram. We're over here on YouTube and on Facebook. If you want to see the videos and you want to hear Matt Hazel talking. Um, And uh, if you're listening, find the companion video. We'll include it in the link with the podcast. Hopefully if we, if we're that smart. All right. So Pablo's here and he says, his question is thoughts on how to not get intimidated when playing a team that has been very dominant in conversation. Uh, Pablo, I'm going to try to let you on if you can come. What up, Pablo? Pablo, hey, what's Mark. up, dude? Hey, man. I missed you, man. Good to see you. Yeah. How you guys doing? We're all Good. right. <laughs> Rocking and rolling. So, yeah, uh, 
tell us tell us about your problem. Just so you know, after this call, uh, we have to remove you, and then you got to re-sign into the room. It's a little okay. weird thing. So it's going to boot you from the meeting, but you just join right away. Okay. Gotcha. Um, what's going on? Uh, so I just, you know, I've been moving up to double A now and mm-hmm. there are some really, really, really strong teams. It's like a gradient, you know, you've got some teams that are okay, but you've got some teams that are like super strong competitors. Sandbags. And yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're in the league. So it's like, he can't do anything about it, but play. Um, but you, you know, even just like when I know I'm going to play them and just getting into the court, I'm already in my head, like, you know, kind of worried that things are going to go wrong and like these guys are just going to dominate. And, and it's, I find it really hard to snap out of it. I guess I found that when I'm more relaxed, I play better. Like I'm the type of person that plays better when they're just relaxed and just having a good time. But when I play those guys, I'm just way in my head and just, I play worse. All right. So um, for Instagram over there, Pablo says that he's, you know, when he's playing the better teams, he gets a little bit more nervous. He worries about their skill level and and what they're doing. So I've got some personal anecdotes and advice, but Matt, what do you got? And I, I, think, I think for me, I'm similar in that way. I like to stay loose and, and smiling and having fun. Uh, and I, I have a few keys that I go to if I'm ever playing against someone where I may be struggling with confidence. I think that's what it boils down to is just confidence or kind of yeah. like an imposter syndrome type feel of like, hey, mm-hmm. I don't know if I belong on the court with these guys. Um, but then you just just kind of the reminder of like, hey, I want this ball to come to me. I, I say that before every serve. I want this ball. I want this ball. I want this ball. And it just kind of creates this mentality of like, if it comes to me, then I'm going to do what I'm supposed to. And I'm excited. I can't wait to get this ball to come to me. And so just kind of telling yourself that um, and reminding yourself that you know how to play volleyball, right? Like we forget oftentimes in those kind of situations that you forget how to play volleyball. And it's like, it's just a sport. It's volleyball. You pass, set, hit. And, and I do it so often too, Pablo. It's not just you. By the way, like, congrats on moving up. That's awesome. That's always a fun Thanks. time when you're going from one lesson or one, oh, one yeah. level to the next. It's challenging because you're like, oh, I'm used to winning these tournaments, but now I'm like kind of just getting by, maybe just breaking pool. Uh, and so it's a fun time, but also challenging time, uh, like you're talking about. So I'd encourage just like finding that confident headspace, mm. be confident against the team that you're playing against. And don't think so much of intimidation, but think, okay, what are these guys' weaknesses? Because they have some. So you just got to try to exploit them in some way. So whether that be doing experiments on your serving, like, hey, let's serve this guy to where he has to take this step. Uh, See what he does out of that. All right, let's see see if he does it again. Let's serve that same exact ball, see if he hits the same exact cut shot. Whoa, he just did. Wow, Mm. that's interesting. So you start picking up on those things. Uh, maybe he even shanks it, shanks that, that spot. And you're like, oh, that's an easy point. Let's try it again. And he does it again. Mm-hmm. So you'll just realize those people are also people who may still be feeling, they, you don't know how they look at you. Maybe they're intimidated by you too. So you just got to mm-hmm. stay composed on the outside and, and acknowledge those feelings, but then just kind of keep that composure to where you don't look phased on the outside, even when you make a mistake. Uh, and you just yeah. come back even more confident and excited for a serve to come your way. 
Yeah. So I think confidence would be the key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Pablo, I would I would also encourage. So there's there's a podcast right now called Bet on Her podcast. Ah, um, yeah. Gina Urango is running it, and I think. Either Kelly Reeves has got a Kelly lot of Reeves. highlights or yeah. she's running it as well. Um, I haven't yeah. listened to a full episode, but I'm following it on Instagram. And they interviewed uh, April Ross. And she just talked about how smack talk or attitude or anything <laughs> through the net never, ever bothered her or con- or like had her concerned with anything. Because she was only concerned with what we do well on our side. And if we do what we do, then that's all that counts because you can't (laughs) – there's not going to be something external that is going to help you win the game. You are going to win because of how you pass, set, and kill the ball. Defense, digs, that's a nice bonus, but your offense needs to be taken care of. Now, when you play a higher-level team – there will be some things that different teams can do at a higher level or a different angle that they can hit or like a kind of a different technique. But the things that you do don't change because from A all the way to Olympics, high lines still get kills. Cut shots still get kills. If you can hit powerfully enough cross and there's not a blocker in your way, you still get a kill, right? So you can't, and this is definitely easier said than done, but you can't be thinking about the other team and what they can do. We think about, hey, what are we focused on today? And if you're walking into a tournament or a match without your, you ever see like the NFL or NBA or UFC where they're like keys to the match, like this person has to do this Mm -hmm. in order to play well. Every one of us should have that in their mind. And you'll notice that in UFC, they don't say, knock this guy out. That's not like a key. Like, so you saying, like, pass well, that's not a key. You know, if on the UFC, they're like, if he punches and kicks really hard, he should be okay. Like, <laughs> no, there's, there's different technique, different strategy, right? So when you are thinking about that, uh, think about one key for one skill that you can lock in that will lead to that. Me and Mike talk, or Matt talked off camera about micro goals. And if you want to be a better passer, you have to pick one small part about passing, like keeping your hands together longer or making sure that you're straight before and long after. Um, maybe it's sitting low. Maybe it's sitting down. Maybe it's standing up taller. Who knows? Okay, but you have to pick what you're going to do on your side. And that's what everybody says. It's control the controllables. Right. Okay. So I think your mind's on the opponents. I think yeah. it should be back here. No matter who is on the other side of the court, we do what we do well. And if you don't know what you do well, then you need to start working on figuring that out so that mm-hmm. you can put it on display whenever you can. And then the last thing that I'll give you advice is, um, I used to use headspace. It's an app. I think it's mm-hmm. like, some, somewhere between nine and, and 20 bucks a month. And they have a sports performance series. It's 10 to 30 minute meditations. And when I followed through that, I stayed so calm through matches because it gave me something here and now to think about instead of, 
what are they going to do next? Uh, how are they doing this? Oh, the score's tied. They ran away with the score again. It's again, that's not controllable and you're thinking about the wrong things. So I would, I would think about downloading headspace or some form of meditation. I know Phil Dalhouse mm-hmm. uses meditation on a regular basis. And, uh, that's, that's, that's my advice there. It definitely helped me, helped me stay calm and, and cool. And then just think about your side, not theirs. I need to check that, that makes out. a lot of sense. I, uh, I haven't heard of that one. Heads- Headspace. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. They have so many series of, uh, different meditations and short, like all the way from five minutes, all the way up to like an hour and a half. So wow. yeah. I, uh, Good 43 year old best friend, PJ. Yeah. He put me on this app called imagine all better. And it was because I felt like I had, uh, the yips. Have you heard of the yips in mm-hmm. baseball? So I felt like I had it with my serve. I felt like I just could not get a serve in. And I was like, all right, I need to figure out a way to do this. And he was like, dude, you got the yips. Like, check this out. And I think yeah. one of his buddies actually put it together. Uh, but it's actually pretty cool. It's, it, it takes a while to walk through. But, uh, yeah, highly recommend checking that one out, too. Nice. But, yeah, I also have some uh, sports psych uh, YouTube videos that I've been watching that have helped me out a lot with confidence that I can post in our uh, Facebook group, Pablo, that you can check out later. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks a lot. Guys. That makes a lot cool. of sense. Just focus on your game and what you can control. Yeah. No. Pablo, any other questions or any film you want us to look at right now? Uh, no, I'm I'm going to upload some film later today. All right. I got some yeah, film wait, yesterday. You're, uh, when's your next tournament? You're in Salt Lake, right? Yeah, next tournament is uh, on the 12th. Nice. Let's go. Yeah. Time to get awesome. that prep rolling. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Kick some butt out there. Thanks, guys. See you, dude. All right. So now, people, and we – so don't forget to join uh, once you get removed from it, Pablo. Gotcha. Gotcha. See you in a second. All right. Um, any of our other members have questions or films that you guys want us to look at? Uh, it's interesting to see that in the chat here yeah. from our elite members. You know, Julie's – Julie's got the same same issues, worried about playing better teams. Sandy's got the same issues, worried about playing better teams. It took it took me a long time to stay calm against those better players because mm-hmm. when I first started on the AVP, you know, you qualify. So your first match is either Nick and Phil or um or Hayden and Try or Hayden and Sean Scott when we were there. And I would just be like, oh, okay, you know, they run fast, so we got to be prepared. We, we got to do this. And immediately, off the bat, you're like, you're thinking about them. Mm-hmm. And then I start trying to make up weird offense. I was like, wait a second. What got me here? My ability to look and hit spots. I've been practicing that for five years. That's how I got to AVP. Now, <laughs> The next, it, like overnight, I'm going to just change everything <laughs> that I do, you know, and make up a new offense and a new style of play and and, and a new speed. No, wow. it doesn't. Uh, you know, I, I did it wrong. I you know, wish I had some some men- mentors at the time, but I eventually learned. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Highline still gets kills. I just gotta hit it one inch higher. Just get it overfill. Right. If I can do that, then fine. And then you learn the little lessons along the way. But you can't just show up to a different team that you think is a higher level and change every mentality, every speed, every touch, and every strategy that you thought you had. You got to do what you do well. 
Yeah, it's funny. I was uh, I actually experienced that this past weekend. I was playing against Alvaro Filo, mm-hmm. and it was very impressive how well he could dig balls and put away balls. I was like, this is a whole new level. Uh, I learned a ton in that match. It's funny because we just started out and we were just wailing on balls. Me and Joe were, which Joe has such a heavy hand. He's mm-hmm. a ball. And for me, I, we were just talking and we were like, dude, what do we do? And because he just kept digging us. We were like, I don't know how to sign out right now. And then we were like, well, I guess we just got to hit harder. I don't know. <laughs> so we just started hitting as hard as we could. Obviously, that didn't work out well. Uh, because that's not really my game, but uh, yeah, I don't think I, I think I only hit like one high line, and I was mm. like, why did I go away from that? That's one of my favorite shots, and uh, yeah, it was just funny to see that in live time of like, oh, I guess we just got to hit harder when that's not even my game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just swinging at this Olympic defender, and he's just digging balls left and right, and I was like, oh, this is really impressive but also so frustrating yeah super <laughs> frustrating and then you know yeah. you solve solve one problem at a time that's okay but also if you're coming into that match if you're coming into the match versus somebody great and then they make one play mm. or two plays <laughs> slow down a little bit like make sure that you're not just i don't what's the word Make sure that you're not going nuts because they made they dug one high line. Statistically, that might be the only dig that they get that game, and you're like, he's everywhere. Two digs and three points. No, no, no. Let's yeah, give ourselves to like the first switch. I mean, even like the the Norwegian boys, they I guess they're men now. Uh, <laughs> uh, even them, like you see them lose a lot of first sets. You know. And they don't stress out. They don't freak out. They're just like, hmm, okay, he does this. Okay, he does this. Okay, he does this when this happens. And then say two and three, they just blow people away. It's like they they just use the first session as, as a learning and adaptation session. And if you treat it like that, if you're getting dug, if you're getting stopped, and you just say, shoot, what do we do on the next point? Shoot, what do we do on the next point? You're not actually getting stats. You don't know, all right, where was he? Why did he dig that? Okay, maybe I went too early. Maybe I did this. But you have to collect information instead of treating each point as like an, an escalating emergency. Like, he's got another one. He's got another one. We have to do something. It's not like that. It is a long phase of discovery. And if you're going to get waxed in pool play, then collect all of that information so you know what to do against them in the quarters or the semis. You know, um, if you just whack it out of bounds or you stop doing what you think you should or you're sulking because you're losing or you're just too upset so you check out, you don't learn a thing about them and you might see them later in that tournament and you're just as unprepared as you were for the first match. Hmm. Gathering info, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's tough in those moments to stay composed enough to think of that way though. Like you're just getting so frustrated, and you're like, "Why can't I put this away?" And you're kind of in the moment. There, there's that balance, right, of being in the moment, but also like thinking forward to maybe the next time you're going to see them. And 
so I'm wrestling with that a lot right now of like trying to stay present, but also gathering info for the next time I face this guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you see, especially down in Florida, you see a lot of the same guys at every single tournament. So the more I can gather, the the more quickly I can gather, the more quickly I'm going to be able to win more games, I think. Yeah. So just trying to find a balance of gathering info, but also staying in the moment to those, those, late games where it's tight okay what do they do here but i also need to be ready for the information i already have so thinking about what i've already gathered but also trying to gather new info is it's kind of tough for me but that's a that's a fun challenge (laughs) it is that's it's definitely not easy you know being being ready for those changes but also you're playing a high probability game yeah and if you made a decision based on probability and what happened over and over again throughout the match instead of just what happened once and got you extra mad uh then you can at least ride on that and you say i did this because of this i made a good decision instead of being there at 2020 and just being like i don't know throwing one finger throwing two fingers (laughs) throwing a four for no reason when they haven't like they're beating you on cut shots and now you're throwing (laughs) a four you know um that play has to be He's done this every time. Every time we served him here, he went for this. Let's just see if it happens again. Let's bait him into it, or let's let's take it away. But um, it can't it can't be a guess, a defensive guess on match point, or yeah. when it gets tight. You have to look at the rest of the match and say, what happened? And a lot of us get lost in that competition, and we don't forget, or or we don't remember what's going on. Yeah. So hold on to that. Answer. Okay. Um, so Mike Glessel, who's uh, basically a, a super member, uh, he's one of our elite members he and is. he is utilizing film to the max. He is an open player. I'm going to let him come on. He's got uh, some film for us and I'll let him introduce himself and uh, ask any questions. Here we go. Uh, it always makes you so excited to see Mike. Man. <laughs> What's up, Mike? Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Always the freshest cut, too. I mean, look at this guy. He's <laughs> look at the taper. <laughs> is it looking fresh? This is awesome. <laughs> it is. Mike, tell us where you're from, and then um, just what you want us to look at in your film here. Yeah, sure. I'm doing tourney prep for this weekend, so looking back at some old games. Uh, oh, from Boston. Uh, play all over New England, though. So, um, yeah, doing the best we can this summer when we can during the uh, parts where it's not raining. So, Forecast looking good this weekend. Uh, yeah, so the film that I just sent to you, I trimmed out uh, the uh, all the plays from my quarterfinal games. I've been over it myself, but I'm curious to see if anything stands out to you guys. I'm the one without the shirt. Um, I'm the full-time blocker. My partner is the full-time defender. Uh, and we're playing a scrappy young team here. So I'm just curious, you know, as you look at it, what, it, what things did pop out to you first? Did anything go really bad or really not so good? Uh yeah, just curious to see, like, a outside perspective. Okay. What were you working on? What do you think you were attempting to improve while you're here? Yeah, blocking for me. Um, okay. What part of blocking? So, pressing. Okay. Being really uh, – getting my hands to the back of the court. And also positioning. It's a really windy day here, so I'm using small shuffle steps as best as I can to uh, line myself up and get my head on the ball. Okay. 
Was this a two or a four? Uh, I believe it was a two. So what's your what's your buddy doing? Uh, it might have been a little late. Is it so? Is this a play call? Because see, I can't tell. It might be a four. Might be a four. Okay, let's see if we can see your hand signal. No, we can't. Okay, so he ran a four. Yeah. You you ran a two. Yeah. Okay. Um, like over time, we've got to get on the same page, and yeah. you have to know behind you if he's doing what the play design is called for. Because if you're listening to the rest of the episode, you know, me and Matt are talking about how we collect information. So now you know that when you show cross as a blocker, right, and your defender holds for a long time in the cross, so you've doubled up on him cross. Now that attacker swings line. That's like your first that's your first statistical set, right? But if you called for a two, you don't know if that attacker would have done the same thing if your partner was in the line. So we don't have a true two call there, right? We have a two block and a, and a defender in the cross. So right now, I don't know. I don't know what he's looking at, and I'm hoping that you can replicate that later in the match so that we give him the same look two or three more times to know what he's trying to do. Gotcha. Yeah. And I can't see that from where I am. Yeah, I'm getting another way. So, so hopefully your buddy can uh, have that. So we called for a two again, which I like because you got to dig on him. I thought you said you were working on pressing. Didn't do it there. (laughs) It's so high. It's like an extra antenna out there. Jeez, dude. Yeah, you're up there. Wow. And And that was sagging. I like the modesty on the live show. Very nice. Don't downplay it. Come on, Mike. It's like, yeah, it was actually two inches high. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you know, we got a great a great touch off of their right side last time. And then now we're going away from him for a couple of points. Can you talk me through that? What the strategy was when you're, yeah, when you're so picking? Yeah, without the context, it's hard to, uh, yeah, hard to see. But we had played these guys earlier in the day. This is our second time seeing them. Mm-hmm. We figured out that their their right side, one with the sunglasses, there was the stronger mm-hmm. side out player. Okay. So we, we were really trying to keep it mostly on the other guy. He had sided out a couple times in a row. We tossed it to uh, his buddy. So that was the serving strategy going in, was kind of three for one. Okay. Now you're on the other side here. All right. I got blocked. I, uh, yeah, I think the set drifted away because of the wind and uh, no good. Okay. Look at it here. Some medium feet to ball. Mm hmm. Can you explain? It looks to me like you waited for this ball here. So he served you. Where are you? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the one where um, yep. rough set, rough eats the ball. But here on this swing, watch this. It doesn't look like you're attacking the ball. 
it looks like your feet go to a spot, and the ball kind of meets you there. So this is like this is a waiting offense instead of you going through. Watch what happens with your feet. See how your feet got here, but the ball is falling here? Does that make sense? Not quite. Not, not quite yet. Okay. So you should be seeing the ball yeah. and going through the ball. So if you could bring your chest like a laser or, you know, punching it through the ball so that you have max power, now you are attacking the set instead of what's happening right now or what's about to happen on this film. You're getting set. And it's a, it's a funny play on words, but you don't want to get a set. You yeah. want to attack a set. So watch where your feet end up and watch where the ball is. So if we see this position, this ball is just about to fall over your left shoulder. You're not actually jumping to the ball. You didn't take your step close at the ball. You took them to the right of the ball and you kind of waited for it to get there. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and that waiting, now you, you can't be as aggressive. You definitely won't have as much power. So does a better version of that look like sort of waiting to see where the set goes and then attacking based on where I see the set? Yeah, better version of that is actually this play by your partner. Um, watch how his feet go. And you can do this as a right side as well. Watch how his toes and his chest move through the ball on his attack. Okay. That's what you want to do as a right side in most cases. You don't want to just kind of hang and wait for it to get out to you. You have yeah. to see it and know when your moment to go and actively and offensively pick it off. So watch how he approaches as a left side here. Good controlled pass. See how his toes go all the way through. His chest keeps moving through that ball. Hmm. If you could replicate that as a right side, um, and you know you have a slightly different, almost like he did, almost. Okay, so if we take a look at this guy, right? See how his hips are going through this ball? You see his chest pointing at the ball? Yeah. When you went, your chest was pointing over here, and then the ball fell on your left shoulder. Hmm. Okay, so in this instance, this guy, and you can see him now going to the ball. He's jumping to the ball. Even though gotcha. that set fell inside, a little windy probably. Chest and approach. Yeah, chest and toes through the ball. You have to be the one that's actively attacking it, not waiting for it and hoping it gets over your shoulder. Okay. Okay. Um, for some people, it helps... If you tell them to like grab and accelerate through their toes when they jump, like grabbing the sand and directing yourself with your last two steps and your jump through the ball. See, this was similar. So you're you're waiting for that ball to get over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We, we probably haven't talked about this at all. It's it's a unique phenomenon. So here. It looks like your body is shaped to come and drive in this direction. That would be nice. Okay, so left foot's inside. Now you step outside 
but the ball is still not quite getting to you, right? And then you, instead of jumping at the ball, you take a leftward, <laughs> which doesn't make sense, but a leftward jump, right? You don't actively go through the ball. It's falling to your right side. Then you recognize, ah, that set's going to fall on my head. So now you do this lateral inside jump, and you, you're not having a powerful attack here. Yeah. No, I've always felt that. Like, I feel like I can be putting more power behind it. I thought maybe I just wasn't opening my hips and torquing them. But I think what you're saying is making sense. And just sort of taking a passive approach when you're advocating, like, just go attack it. Yeah. And it, the hip torque thing is weird when yeah. we talk about hip torque with your body. Because you might be thinking what so many people think is that I have to turn my left hip towards the net so that I can throw it at the net. Exactly. This, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, close it, close it, and then open it. But you're okay. saying like, keep that chest on the ball? Yeah. So we're going to do the exact opposite. <laughs> so I want your hips to go at the middle of the court, your toes and the front of your hips to go at the middle of the court. Yeah. And where you're going to get torque is the separation between shoulders and hips. So even, I don't know if you guys can see me on the screen at all, but even when I'm sitting like in my chair, my hips are forward at the chair, but yep. I've rotated here. So you don't get power necessarily from your hips. Your hips are, are a locking mechanism that, and they're the base for your upper body to rotate around. Okay, it works very differently because in baseball, we're like, oh, well, look how baseball players throw. Um, look how football players throw. They have the ground to push off on. In volleyball, we use the ground to get our final push so that our hips start rotating in the air as our right arm is cocking back. And then by the time we hit, right, by the time we unload, then we unload with our upper body that's very different from turning your left hip towards the net and then trying to do like a jump twist we don't want that jump twist we want to push by one other way to visualize it is by um, getting extra push from your right foot if you're a right-handed player getting extra push off the ground so that you really feel like if you're standing up you really feel that boom like this right hip really accentuates and it punts you forward and then once that happens now my right hip's coming forward and my right elbow is dropping back so one thing that helped me really lock into this was jumping harder off of my right foot like feeling that i was jumping with extra power from my right foot or squeezing my right glute at the end of the jump and that's what <laughs> what torque really is um the hips are the locking mechanism and your, your body rotates around that. And we don't have the ground to still be pushing off of like football players and throwing athletes do. So we have to get that last hips forward, not from a mound, but from our jump. And that last jump pushes our hips forward and then we get to cock back. So neat, neat. And, and during that turbine motion, it sounds like what separates my shoulders from my hips is my core. And that's what's going to be activating to help me get power is that right i don't know what you mean by activating 
Like, what what do you mean when you say that like your core activates? Cue. What's my what's my cue when I'm doing it? You, you said jump harder off my right foot. Am I mm-hmm. am I also like feeling it in my core, or am I feeling it more in my in my like I don't one know, of my back? One of my favorite cues. Uh, I was sitting with Brandon and Ali and JM. They're two of our coaches, and we we were just talking about like good cues to get across to people. And this one hit me super hard with arm swing. And it was basically, you just think about, there's a piece of glass right here and you want to break that glass. So you have to add force to it. So you like big, big exaggerated, like elbow throwback. Mm. But then you can't leave your elbow there because it's going to get cut up, right? Like it's going to get cut up by the glass. So you got to get it out fast. Um, so I, I think like an exaggerated break the glass behind you will create that motion, the torso twisting motion. Uh, kind of feel like an activation in the rhomboid in your back, uh, yep. stretch in your chest. That's all in the, the path, the hitting course that we have. But but I love the, the breaking the glass behind you and then trying to get it out your elbow as soon as as fast as possible. And I love that you mentioned, Mark, just the quick right glute at the activation. Uh, I think that's something that a lot of people miss because they hear, oh, you're supposed to drive through a hip, so why don't you turn your hips instead, just like the indoor people? And, yep. and then it turns into like starting completely facing your partner on the left side and then facing away from your partner on the right side. And it's like, no, 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 I don't think that's the right way to do it. So <laughs> try to keep your hips. like It's, just, it's literally just like a quick right right glute activation for left-handed hitters, left glute activation. Uh, and it's crazy how that just kind of generates power through the rest of your body. So your core is just kind of like a like a, a messenger of like, hey, this is what's going on. This is the wave that's going, coming through my body. And then your the elbow coming through is just like the follow-through of that message that's coming from your right glute activation. Yeah. Cool. When, when you do it right, or at least when I did it, and you started really exaggerating it, like your mid, your mid back, the next day is like locked up. <laughs> it feels like there's knots because you're really like that crazy separation. So I, I know you have access to the library. So go through again the standing and throwing videos where we make sure that your your hips are locked, and that should initiate that feeling. Because when we do those throwing exercises, you keep your feet locked, then you rotate, then you swing. And then as soon as, you know, get like 10 throws with a ball, you don't need much more. But when you're warming up with your partner, lock your feet facing him and next to each other. So don't step forward with your left foot. Toss to yourself, break the glass, then come through. And that's the feeling that you should have in the air where wherever you're hitting for max power, your hips are already facing there. Now we rotate and swivel around that point. Great. Cool. Okay. Um, let's take just another look here. Um, you are blocking Unreal. very high. Unreal. Watch your face up there, dude. <laughs> nice set. See, this little pause here is not ideal. Um, oh, shoot, I'm on the wrong. Oh, no. How do we do this? Okay. <laughs> uh, we go to the end. Okay, so your your partner, he has to stop his momentum through the ball, and that should say shoot. Watch this. Oh, there we go. Okay, 
that one he overran. All right. Oh, that's what I'm doing wrong. I'm not pressing the space bar. Okay. Okay, so nice design. He gets under it, but then he paused. You saw how he almost like pushed away from it instead of going through it? Yeah, really. I just did. Yep. Okay. He looks like he's driving, but then he overran it, and now he has to actually lean back, and he kind of rotates. Like, got the job done, um, but that's not the best approach that it could be. Yeah, he started out at a super high rate this match, so he was doing something right, but I don't know. Let's look at this. Can we, watch that, can we watch that block again, Mark? Yeah, I want to see it. Here we go. <laughs> Unreal. Nice, tough serve. Oh, no. Where was it? I don't know. Oh, it was right before that one, I think. Okay. Ay, 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 come on. No. Weird. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Jeez. That's a nice press on a tight ball. Very good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Unreal. There's a lot more where I could do a better job. With, like Just like that. I know I can do it, but I just want to do it consistently. Okay, another two. Really narrow there. See my hands? Yeah. He's there, though. It worked. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see over time. Okay, so this is a two. This is like a clear two. He moved yeah. early. He got stable before the hit. That's different than the one that we saw in the early match where he yeah. ran from the diagonal. Like this one, he covered middle. Then he sat early. So that's nice. Um, yep. You're playing against somebody who can jump, Mike. Yep. I I would, especially when he looks far off like this, I would really wait longer. Hmm. Now, if you got a high jumper who's further off, you have two reasons to wait on the ground a lot longer. That one you have to go. Uh, yeah. I gotta, yeah, yeah, you got to reach at the ball. Yeah. Um. One, one way that helps some people get pressing better is acting like they're going and they're surrounding the person's head with their hands. So instead of jumping and thinking, let me get high, jumping and thinking, I'm going to like stick my thumbs in your ears. <laughs> you know? Wet willy. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, could, that could play a big difference. But you're getting up super high. Yeah. You're, you're just waiting too long. There's another tool that some people use, uh, and if you put a string or an elastic cord about a foot or maybe 18 inches and you tie it between the antennas so that you have to shoot your hands under those instead mm -hmm. of jump mm -hmm. and then press, uh, that'll be good. But so everybody at home knows, you should have two types of block if you're big. You should have a high-reaching block which is great for shots and reading and swatting. And then you should have your low press block. And depending mm -hmm. on the type of player you're playing against and what they're doing on the other side of the net, you're going to need both. But usually when we reach, we wait super long. And it's almost like I, I like to play a game with some blockers where they'll jump 
and then after they jump, I chest pass them a ball over the net so that they have to use their hands. Because if you're waiting or delaying, then that means that your hands have to be really active. A lot of people will try to shot block, but they make their elbows really stiff. They lock them out. And yep. now I can't really move them. You should jump and be like, hmm, okay, now I can do whatever I want with my hands. Like, can you jump and swat flies, you know, <laughs> or, or play ping pong? <laughs> yeah. Now, to make that wide, let low press, should I be, like, my arm should be, like, almost windshield wiping together, like starting low, seam, and then as I'm hitting the top of my jump, be high? Or are you saying just commit and keep your arms where they either wide or high? You're going to need both. Yeah. Are you saying when you need to press? Like, from what it sounds like, you're looking at, like, a low, like, a yeah. wide ball. That's where I'm, I'm – am I using that on mostly swing, mostly swings, and then I'm the reaching high on mostly shots? Or can I combine them almost? Like, I am jumping. My arms are coming up. Early on, they're in the low angles. But then at the peak of my jump, they're coming high. I've seen so I have some guys like Logan Weber, Mark Bucknam. They like to – I've seen that before. Oh, so you're saying like press and then reach? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's if uh, your initial read was wrong. Yep. So that's like, okay, I'm established because I think he's trying to hit hard, and then I feel him slow down, so I have the ability to cover and reset my arms and then reach high. That's fine. Um, some okay. abs- absolute monsters, and, and you're, you jump really well, um, so you'll have the ability to do that. Yep. Uh, but yeah, to try to teach press then reach, it's something that everybody needs to do. Is it stuff we're going to spend time like really teaching or working on or repping out? I don't think so. Uh, so long as you just get an athlete who wants to pursue every ball and is looking and reading and doing all of the things that, that they should be doing as an athlete. I think blockers think that if they don't get a block, their job is done and it's completely up to the defender. Every blocker should cover an entire quarter of the court on the ground. Like you should dig up to half court. If you're digging on the line, you should dig up to half court behind you and at least half court along the net. And if you can't do that and you're hoping that your defender just covers everything else, at some point you're going to hit a wall and you're going to, you're going to lose. Cool. Awesome. I was watching uh, Andrews Mullen in Montreal this past weekend, so maybe that's where I'm getting these ideas from. It's, it's Dude, like a that guy's like Kermit. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, like you got to give the Kermit like dancing videos when he's blocking. You can give the wacky yeah, inflatable yeah. flailing arm guy, like the used car sale lot. Like that's, that's him. But yep. uh, there's, there's another thing <laughs> that we, we made on Instagram that says everybody should stop watching him because <laughs> – He's such a freak that he's like encouraging six one and six two blockers to wave their arms and try to jump block line and then at the end of their block uh, block cross. It's like this is just not possible for some people, so they need a different style of blocking uh, that matches their body. So if you are the six one or six two blocker, um, or on the lady side, you're on the you know five ten type blocker. You guys don't watch people whose size and athletic athleticism don't match your body. Um, find somebody who looks like you and then study what they're doing. That might be more helpful. Cool guys. Super helpful. Thanks. How, how was Montreal by the way? Did you have fun? Amazing. Weather was yeah. great. 
Yeah, I, we just missed out in the finals. We had to leave early, but we caught a lot of the rest of it. Yeah, it was supposed to be a test event, so I heard the next uh, five years are going to come back. Sick. That's yeah. awesome. Crowd was awesome. Yeah, really cool stuff. Nice. Fun time. Cool, Mike. Thanks, Thanks for the call, dude. We'll see you in the group. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so that was Mike Lessel. Again, he's one of our elite members, which means that he gets access to this meeting, just like Pablo did. If you guys want us to do this for your video, we're doing it every day in the group. Post your videos, and we comment in there. But this is the bonus for our elite members. Uh, if you choose to upgrade, then we go through film in person, where we get to really sit and talk about it. And for me... I have learned that talking through something equals so much more speed in coming to a solution than texting or emailing. So uh, our basic members, they get the comments, and it's, of course, obviously very helpful. Uh, but the elite members who do the upgrade where we get to sit down and talk about it, uh, that's the fastest improvement. And Mike's one of those guys that is completely dedicated to the program and uh, volunteers every video makes makes clips makes his own assumptions keeps his own stats and his game just keeps elevating and and uh yeah he's embraced the program in full and, and matt you've been crushing it as a very impressive it's, it's cool to watch mike it's always like it's always hard not to smile when you're talking to Mike too you know it's like just loves volleyball and like learning volleyball and just an awesome human being too so it's it's always a blast yeah nice Okay, um, so some of our other members, Julie and Sandy, they say that you guys want to uh, ask some questions on Thursday, and we are out of time for this meeting. So Julie and Sandy, of course, obviously post them in there so that we can take a look at it before Thursday, but we'd love to talk you guys through it on Thursday and use this format. Guys, if you're at home, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, if you are watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Facebook or Instagram, I know on Instagram it's hard because you can't see the screen and you can't hear Matt, but if you liked this format, please DM me at Mark Burrick and say, loved that format. Please do it again. If it was like, eh, go back to making silly Seven Deadly Sins videos, we can do that too. <laughs> uh, but we might as well you know, showcase what a great program we have and then give cool reusable content for our members. And we can chop this up into little uh, Instagram feeds as well. Nice. Uh, if you are interested in the program, betterbeach.com forward slash coaching is where you want to go to sign up. And not only these, right, not only skill courses and film mm -hmm. review, but we do a lot of physical fitness training we have our 60-day max vertical program where we will take you through your workout technique and your exercise technique as well. And, you know, our average increase in vertical is around five inches, which is pretty cool. insane. Um, but I will attribute knowledgeably from the exercise science standpoint, that is because we're getting people off their butts, giving them a program and saying, hey, get on a program. If you've never been on a program specifically for vertical jump, you're going to see a massive increase. If you're on a program that's kind of for vertical jump or already, we're still going to get you up there because we still do a lot of jump analysis, but you're, <laughs> you're not going to be a 30 year old professional athlete that sees like all of a sudden they see a five inch <laughs> jump um, in two months. 
But if you need to get started and you want to see a massive leap and you know that you're not on a true vertical jump or volleyball program, you know where to find us. And that's what we do. Sweet. All right. Um, Matt, anything else? Dude, that's it. That was fun. That was a fun breakdown. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, then before everybody goes, I'm just going to run you guys through some of our upcoming events and dates where you can find us. So our intro to Beach Volleyball Fundamentals on August 6th in Hermosa Beach sold out. Uh, I don't know if we have another coach who can do it. If you are interested in that, you will get to a sold out page. But again, DM me if you want to do the six hour intro to Beach Volleyball Fundamentals. It's for beginners and intermediates. Uh, We have a kids camp from the 9th to the 11th of August, and it's five hours uh, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. in Hermosa Beach. It's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And we have all the space in the world on that one. Uh, August 20th, Advanced Defensive Techniques and Tactics for Women's B and A. August 24th and 25th in Virginia Beach. Brandon's going home for two days of two-and-a-half-hour clinics. That's a two-day clinic, Virginia Beach, at the end of August. And August 25th to 27th. Uh, we got our Florida crew at Postcard Inn running a three-day minicamp, men's and women's level B and A. That has, I, it's close to 20 campers already. That's so that's awesome. going to be a big event. That's great. Yeah. Nice. And uh, September 8th to 10th, three-day camp in for men's and women's A and AA also in Florida. And almost all of our seven-day camps are on sale so if you want to come and do a nice long vacation with us in the fall and winter, October 29th, November 5th, November 26th, and soon to be released December 26th and December 31st, sign up. You guys know that we keep limited space so that we can give everybody extra attention. So please sign up early and uh, we will see you there. If you guys know of any beaches, any beaches, that we should run on or any facilities that we should do it. We won't go to a facility with less than three courts has to be four courts or more. And we need, you know, legal access. So to be able to rent those courts and we'd love to run it in your town. And then finally for personal help, I'm looking for somebody who's a videographer and editor and knows social media and sales. If you think that you can make great educational content. If you just listen to this and you're like, oh, I could chop that up into, you know, 50 different one minute clips for Instagram. And that would be easy and fun because I'm learning volleyball. Please get in touch with me looking for you. And we've got a role and it has to do with sales, uh, video editing and, and content production. Basically we're looking for content repurposers. So get in touch and, uh, and hopefully we can hire you if you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's the number one priority. Yeah, be cool. Yeah. Be yeah. cool. It's it's literally on the list. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, let us know if you guys like this format so that I like it. I think it's cool to just keep pumping good information out into the world and seeing people make live mistakes um, through video analysis. It should help people. Yeah, DM me on Messenger or Instagram. Uh, I look at Instagram more than I look at my Facebook inbox. So 
DM me wherever, Cindy. All good? All good. Uh, Puno had one more question on Thursday. I'm going to ask if there's an option for the weighted Russian twist. Uh, so, I mean, maybe we can just discuss that on Thursday and dive into that a little bit more. Definitely. There's a few, there's a few good twisting options that you can use with a whole bunch of modalities. For sure. Um, medicine balls, cables, bands, your feet, doing rainbows with your feet, um, throwing small children, uh, <laughs> 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 lots of shout out the yeah. back. Yeah. Hey, I missed the back feature today. I know, I know. She'll, she'll be back. She'll be back. She'll be back. But I had a nightmare that I uh, <laughs> that I lost her at a oh, resort. Like couldn't find her. I woke up in a panic. I immediately rolled over and like hugged her. Oh, oh I was terrified. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I hate when you wake up to bad dreams. Yeah, that sucks. Especially it's better when you wake up, you know, you're like, okay, it wasn't real. Yeah, we're safe. We're good. She's yeah. here. <laughs> nice. All right. That's all from us, guys. Thanks for hanging out. I uh, hope we gave you a lot there. I think we did. Matt, nice job. Great work with you, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right. Later, guys. See you on the sand. See ya.